I'm Amanda. I'm Jessie. In this podcast, we talk about the joys of motherhood as well as the experiences that have altered us along the way. We've created a safe space to talk about the hard and unconventional alongside the beauty, and we want you to feel confident in the decisions that you make as a mother. Welcome to the Motherhood Collective Co. Let's talk. Hey guys, welcome back to the Motherhood Collective Co. We are continuing our birth story series, which has been so much fun. We have really wanted to take the time to highlight positive experiences surrounding birth because we know that it can be hard and scary and traumatic. None of us are privy to that, but I think we just want to spend some time focusing on when it goes well and when it goes right. So today we are talking with Amanda. Amanda um, lives in Parker with her husband. She's a native. Her and Maverick have been married for five years and they have a two and a half year old son named Brave. They also have two little kittens named Ferdinand and Tupelo. She is also a NICU nurse at Children's hospital. She's very passionate about health and wellness and especially mental health postpartum as she had um, a struggle with postpartum depression after her son was born. She really loves to read, write, and ride her Peloton. So Amanda is actually my sister. Um, We have therefore known each other forever and we had our babies like six weeks apart. I yeah, think like six or seven. Um, our due dates were supposed to be eight weeks apart, but Amanda went three weeks early. And they also were living in our basement at the time. So we were pregnant at the same time, under the same roof, and during COVID, all the things. So these babies were born in 2020 where hospitals were a little bit unpredictable. Like I remember we weren't sure if our husbands were going to be able to be there. There were a lot of stipulations surrounding, you know, if they had a fever for any reason they wouldn't be there even if it wasn't COVID. So it was definitely a stressful time to give birth. (laughs) But yeah, I'm just going to hand it over to you, Amanda, and you can kind of just like walk us through pregnancy, whatever you feel like is particularly like important to your birth story leading up to that. Yeah. So um, we got pregnant pretty easily with Brave. It was the second cycle of trying that we were able to conceive him so we were super grateful that it wasn't like a you know long stressful process and so starting out it was just kind of like very exciting first baby and I honestly didn't really know what to expect other than like what mom had told us about her (laughs) pregnancies and now kind of what your pregnancy was like so I was a little bit like it's like basically you're just gonna throw up the whole time Yeah, so I was like a little bit weary and just kind of waiting for the sickness to hit. And Mm -hmm. I remember it hit at like seven weeks exactly. Yeah. And um, it was hard because it was COVID and mom was scared to see us because Mm -hmm. we were pregnant and she didn't want us to get sick, obviously. And it was so unknown. And so, yeah, we had no idea like what it even entailed at that time. Yeah. So a lot of our first trimester and I guess into your second trimester was spent like isolated kind of, Mm -hmm. Um, even though we lived once again, like down the street from each other, Mm -hmm. I felt like we were scared to like hang out, Mm -hmm. which was kind of Well, there was like straight up like a restriction on like where you were allowed to drive. Yeah. Like remember when they were literally like, if you're not going to the grocery store, 
or the hospital yeah like you can't leave your house yeah I remember like being prepared to like show my badge when I'd be like driving to and from work so weird it's so crazy to think back because it's like such a different world yeah and you were working in a hospital yeah but yeah it just kind of felt other than the isolation it was like I mean I was really sick and Mm -hmm. but I was still able to function and I still was working night shift and there was a couple nights that I called out because I was like there's no way but like most of the time I was able to still function Mm -hmm. but I was pretty miserable for like seven to like 20 weeks I would say Mm -hmm. um but after that it got better and I felt a lot better um and it just was a very like uneventful pregnancy like I don't really have much to say the one thing that was really sad was that my the only ultrasound my husband ever got to go to was the 12 week I think or yeah. he might have actually gone to the first one too oh, yeah they couldn't even come to our appointment <sighs> yeah they weren't allowed to at their our appointments and then they were gonna make an exception and let Maverick come to my 20 week anatomy scan yeah. and then he woke up with a fever yeah and that's when we had to like go like quarantine him on the dad's <sighs> oh, basement my gosh. yeah <clears throat> so we had just moved in with you guys at that point when I was 20 weeks I remember yeah even like with the knowledge that I have about COVID now like I know we've both had it and the kids have had it and it's like not been a big deal but I feel like even with the knowledge I have now I wouldn't want to get COVID while I'm pregnant like that's just not ideal you know so it's like in a way I wouldn't change it but then also it's like I wish I could have been like you'll be okay (laughs) like yeah it's gonna be okay the, the fear was definitely heightened at that yeah. time. I feel like now I would like, yeah, I don't, it's not ideal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a big bummer. I remember going to that, but mom came with yeah. me. So that made me feel a little better. But um, yeah, other than that, like it just kind of progressed like pretty normally. I just, I had um, like a traditional OB mm-hmm. um, and just went to all my appointments. And really the only thing that was hard was that she kind of, was a little bit of an alarmist. Yeah, for sure. She was kind of, you know, making me feel insecure about his growth Mm -hmm. most of the pregnancy. And um, he was measuring, I mean, pretty big the Mm -hmm. whole time, like 99th percentile for everything. And Maverick, my husband, was like an 11-pound baby. So it was kind of like, well, this could actually be real. Right. Even though the whole time I was like, I just don't feel like I have a huge baby inside yeah. of me. Like you kind of know by mm-hmm. like how you feel. Um, so that was the only thing. So like I had a couple extra ultrasounds and mm-hmm. she one time sent me to an MFM, I think at like 32 or 34 weeks and said that they were doing some measurements to see if he would be like a shoulder yeah. dystocia. Right. So that kind of was like, you Extreme. know, it didn't, it didn't make me feel yeah. super secure yeah. for sure. Um, but other than that, I mean, she was fine. She did her job. She was very thorough and very concise. And I didn't really ever, I didn't really like feel we had a relationship necessarily, mm-hmm. but I never felt like, oh, I don't like this person. Yeah. You know, she just kind of in and out and yeah. it was very routine. So yeah, most of my pregnancy was very healthy. And then I got to, I remember it was my 36 week appointment and there was going to be another ultrasound that day for growth, which they do sometimes at 36 weeks. And I went in and my blood pressure was high mm-hmm. all of a sudden. And she took it a couple times. And I think, I don't remember the measurement, but it was high. And, um, and so then, you know, my OB, they did the ultrasound and then my OB comes in and she's like, this is like, you know, 
I'm not happy with these blood pressures. And she had already kind of mentioned an induction at 39 weeks for growth for a big baby, you know, quote unquote. Which I just want to tell you, if you're listening and you're being pressured to be induced for a big baby, it's not evidence-based care. Yeah. You can refuse it. You're both you and your baby are, if you're both you and your baby are healthy, there's literally no reason. But this was something that we both mm-hmm. got bullied into at some point or mm-hmm. another throughout our pregnancy. So I can only imagine how much more common it is than oh, for sure. we even know. And I kind of like, after like your, cause you know, you, Sunny had been born three or four weeks at this point mm-hmm. ago. And so like I had known your story and I was kind of like thinking that maybe once I got to 39 weeks, I would be like, hmm, like maybe not. Yeah. Like I wasn't like gung ho. I'm going to go in for this induction. Yeah. Especially after your experience, I kind of was like, maybe I need to like pump the brakes a little bit. Right. But I was kind of waiting until like it brought, got brought up yeah, again. Yeah, totally. And then this happened at 36 and a half. I think I was like 36 and four something this day. And mm-hmm. And then it was all of a sudden like, okay, now it's like a medical inclination. And yeah. it was hard because I still didn't feel good about it. And it was so rushed. Like, I remember her just being like, okay, so like, I think we need to induce. Like, he's big. Your blood pressure is high. Um, she said, <laughs> she sent me home with this like pee jug. Oh, yeah. That I had to like literally pee in an orange jug uh-huh. for 24 hours every time I peed. And then I had to keep it in the fridge in between. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like to test for like protein in my urine and like mm-hmm. preeclampsia, basically. Yeah. And so there was just so much like rush. There was everything was rushed about it. But anyway, so she sent me home with that. And I remember getting in my car after that appointment. And I just was like, crying for like 10 minutes I was just like freaking out because I was like oh my gosh I'm not ready like this is crazy it was like a Wednesday and such she was, like short notice yeah I think it was like a Wednesday or Thursday and she was like come in on Sunday night yeah. and it was like which what? is like essentially the difference between like a whole other month of pregnancy yeah. like potentially yeah for sure especially as a first time mom I probably yeah. would have gone to like 40 or 41 weeks yeah and so anyways I remember coming home I called mom And mom was like very much like, yeah, it's probably the right thing to do because of your blood pressure. And I like really did at the time. I at the time I really was like, okay, this is the right thing to do. And in hindsight, I can talk about that later. But I I do have like doubts about if it was legitimate. Yeah. But anyways, um, I talked to Mav about it and I was like, okay, I guess like we're having a baby Mm -hmm. (laughs) literally this weekend. Yeah. And then it was kind of like full force, just like went home and like started nesting hardcore and was just getting everything ready for him. And yeah, it was a whirlwind at that point. Did you take your blood pressure at all? after that at home Mm -hmm. you did yeah and it was always like a little bit elevated but nothing like it was in the yeah like I want to say in the OB office it was like 150 or 160 in the systolics and then when I took it at home after I had calmed down it was like high 130s okay yeah but like I have a baseline low blood pressure and so maybe it was a little bit elevated but also like I don't know. I know. That is hard to tell. Yeah. Because, like, anxiety can obviously, like, heighten your blood pressure. But obviously, pregnancy does, too. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think anybody's blood pressure doesn't increase while they're pregnant, right? Yeah. Because it's just, like, not increasing. You have so much extra volume. Right. I feel like. Yeah. And I think, ideally, your body, like, compensates for that. But I think, I don't know. I was working night shift. But you weren't, were you having any other symptoms? Like, were you no. feeling any, any mm. sort of ways? No. No, honestly, I feel like I felt really good. Yeah. Like, I feel like my third trimester, like, 
I wasn't swollen really. I mean, a couple of times my ankles would get swollen after my night shifts, but like I wasn't really swollen. I didn't really gain a lot of weight. Like I just felt pretty good. And so I don't know. Yeah. I don't. And my long story short, the urine that I did, the jug, there was not any protein in my urine. Yeah. That's so weird. So like she was like, you're not preeclamptic. Like I'm not worried about preeclampsia. She said it could turn into that. But like right now it's just gestational hypertension. Totally. And I almost feel like in that situation you would have other symptoms going on. Like I, at least like with the clinic I'm with now, there's so much about you know, like listening to your body and that your body will tell you when something's wrong. And I just think like sometimes tests like these, unless there's like pressing symptoms that you're experiencing. Yeah. I don't know. Like I'm grateful that they, that we have them, but I almost think sometimes they cause more problems than Mm -hmm. they solve. If we, if we are like feeling good, we're feeling healthy, like our energy is fine. Like our hands aren't swollen and we're not like having vision problems or headaches. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like, and then you have no protein in your urine. It yeah. just, yeah, it definitely makes you wonder, like, what was going on. And I do think, like, I have an element of, like, the white coat syndrome, yeah. which is funny. Being in healthcare, like, you wouldn't yeah. think that it would make me nervous. But I think I just, your experience had just happened. Mm-hmm. And also, like, the ultrasounds always made me nervous. Oh, yeah. Like, I think being in healthcare, I was always thinking something was going to be wrong. Yeah. And so that day I had an ultrasound and mm-hmm. I was like, not, I didn't want to hear how big he was again. I know. And I think I just, there was a lot going on and yeah. And I think on ultimately she just used it as an excuse yeah. to induce me early. And she was kind of like, this is great. Like now yeah. we can get him out early. Like right. I have this reason. Cause at 37 weeks they have to have like yeah. a medical reason. Yeah. You can't just choose yeah, like an no, elective. It's not induction. elective till 39. Yeah. So she was like, now I have this like reason and kind of was wanting me to come along with her. Like, oh, this is good. (laughs) And I was like, in the moment, I was like, okay. And I just remember it was like, it was not okay after Mm -hmm. I left the office. Like, and I was really upset. But ultimately, we did it. Um, You went on in on like a Sunday night too? Yeah, Yeah. we went out on a Sunday night. And I remember like um, the whole family came over for dinner and um, we got like takeout and ate dinner and kind of sent us off yeah oh yeah I remember mom and dad came over and we were at your house and they they got that like Italian food that is so funny I (laughs) genuinely feel like it was such a blur yeah like even yeah I mean you kind of had a newborn and I know (laughs) but yeah we like ate that and I I was excited like I was like so ready to meet him yeah obviously um but I did I was very nervous um because yeah of a lot of reasons Mm -hmm. but um so oh yeah at my 36 week appointment which highly do I will never do this again but she was like do you want me to check you and see like how progressed you are and I did for whatever reason and she was like yeah there's nothing going on (laughs) (laughs) she was like literally closed Mm -hmm. high tight baby's way the heck up there which is so bad for your mental state like going into labor but then it also like Cervical checks are just so hard because they have no bearing no. on like how things are going to progress, no but it just makes you feel like, okay, so I'm going to fail at this. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt. I was like, he's not ready. My body's not ready. So anyways, and I didn't even ask any questions. I remember like, what's going to happen? Like, I didn't even, I was so in shock that <laughs> right. I didn't even ask her, how are you going to induce me? What's going to happen? Like, I just went into it like, okay, we'll see what happens. Right. But I remember it was a snowstorm that night. Mm-hmm. And so we only had to drive like half a mile because we literally lived down the street from this hospital 
And um, I just remember like trucking. I brought so much stuff. Yeah. Like such an overpacker. Mm-hmm. I, I packed like a whole suitcase for just Brave. Yeah. <laughs> a whole suitcase for me. And Mav had his stuff. And so we're trucking yeah. in. And I just felt like such first time parents. Like yeah, trucking totally. into the hospital. And they're all looking at us like, oh my gosh, you're ridiculous. Yeah. But anyways, um, I remember they like brought brought us back to the room and we were getting all settled and I had this like cute hospital gown that I bought that was like my own um and Maverick was like putting the bed down and he like literally like broke his toe (laughs) what wait I didn't know that it was like this like metal like thing and it landed on his toe And I was like, seriously, like, I'm the one who's about to go through labor and birth and you're like getting injured. <clears throat> Anyways, so and the nurse was like, yeah, that happens to so many dads. Like, it was just a really funny moment. And anyways, and she, you know, got me started with an IV and she was fine. But she, her cervical checks were like from hell. Like, truly, this nurse, like, I don't know what was wrong with her, but like, she made them so painful and so she like once again she was like okay we're gonna check you before we start this whole process yeah and she was like yeah you're like half a centimeter dilated and I'm like cool and then what they did was they did um oral side attack yeah which I had never heard before and I go to a lot of births because of my job and I've always heard of like vaginal side yeah that's what I did yeah Mm -hmm. and so I was kind of like hmm okay like I've never heard of that and I was kind of like well at least it's not something like that has to be like shoved up there (laughs) so I was like kind of happy yeah and she was like yeah we'll just like do one dose and then we'll see how you feel and then we'll probably give you another in four hours and she was I was like is this like gonna put me in labor and she was like no it's like a cervical ripening Mm -hmm. agent so she was like all it really should do is like soften your cervix and then tomorrow we'll talk about other things and I was like okay and so I took that and then Maverick like went to sleep because it was like by the time I really started everything, it was probably 10 or 11 at night and took it and was like watching, I think like Shark Tank or something. Yeah. And I was starting to actually get pretty crampy right away. Like I remember feeling like they were like period cramps yeah. like, within like an hour of taking this medication. And I told her that and she was like, oh, that's weird. Like. It's not really, like, supposed to do that. Or she kind of, like, dismissed that right. I was having contractions, yeah. basically. And and she came back in, and then she gave me another one. And that was a cervical check that I literally was, like, levitating off the bed. Like, Maverick, like, stood up and was like, are you done? Like, it was hmm. terrible. Hmm. Um, and I don't know. I mean, clearly, all the way up there still. Like, she had to go <laughs> far to find my cervix. Right. And she was like, yeah, I mean, she's like, maybe it's like a one or a two at uh-huh. this point. So I was like, okay. And took the second dose. And then my like contractions actually started picking up. And I was like, oh, this is like going like out of rhythm. Like I can count, like yeah. count how long they are. And, and I was looking at the monitor and like, you know, they have like the little mountains mm-hmm. and like they were kind of picking up, but I felt like they were like a lot more painful. Yeah. And so. Which came, they are when you're getting induced. Yeah. But. And she came in and she was like, yeah, like you're starting to contract. And I was like, yeah, I mean, these are like pretty painful. And she was like, kind of just kind of brushing me off. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's not really supposed to put you in labor. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that's what's happening. And I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so I was like comfortable enough to like stay in bed, mm-hmm. but I was not sleeping. Yeah. Like it was not the kind of contractions that I could sleep through. Mm-hmm. 
and Maverick was like passed out. And then at like, I feel like it was like three or 4 a.m., I literally felt this like pop and just like warm gush. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it's just crazy to like actually feel that. And I remember like reaching down and looking at the fluid and it was like so like slimy. Really? It was like slimy, (laughs) clear fluid. And I was like, ew. But I called her in and I was like, I think my water broke. And she was like, once again, just like completely like brushing me off. So annoying. She was like, okay, like maybe let me check with the the paper or whatever. And she tried it and she was like, yeah, that's amniotic fluid. (laughs) So I was like, okay, like this is crazy because I wasn't expecting that, you know, like my body wasn't really ready. And so it was like, how is this happening? Yeah. And I told Maverick and he was like, then he was awake after that. And from that point on, things got like really hard. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, I couldn't sit anymore. Mm -hmm. I like got up. I was doing like the the ball. I was bouncing on the ball a lot. And Maverick was doing like, I remember like the counter pressure on my back. I had brought these like little balls. Yeah. That he was pressing into my back. And I just remember the contractions feeling super close together. And it kind of freaked me out because I was like, with my medical knowledge, mm-hmm. I was like, is this like overkill, you know, because your yeah. uterus can like start to freak mm-hmm. out. And I called her in and I was like, is this OK? Like mm-hmm. this feels like I'm not getting a break in between them. Yeah. Maybe a minute in between contractions. And she's like, yeah. And once again, like, I just don't think that anybody thought that I was progressing. Right. It was weird because the TOCO monitor wasn't picking up my contractions yeah. as strong as they were. Right. And so I really think that she thought I was kind of being dramatic. Yeah. And, um, but I just kept like going through them. And I really, I did call her in again because I was like my, it was like all in my back. Yeah. And I was like, I just feel like it's just, he's not in the right position or something. Like I didn't have a lot of knowledge of birth, way less than I have now. Yeah. But I did read some books and I kind of like had a baseline so I was like, I wonder if he's, like, not facing the right direction. Yeah. Which could like, have also been why they were so close together, maybe. Yeah. Or she, so painful. Yeah. So she was like, yeah, I bet he's, like, sunny side up or, like, posterior. And so she was, like, showing me, like, things I could do to get him to move. So anyways, I think that it was, like, I like, my water broke at 4. And I think this was at, like, 9 a.m. maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember the exact timeline. That I was like, okay, I think... I, I think that I'm, my mind just like gave up. Yeah. It wasn't really that I, it wasn't necessarily the pain. It was just that my mind, for some reason, like something flipped and I was like, I can't do it. And looking back, I think I was just about to hit, I was in transition. Yeah. Because when she checked me, um, and I can't remember if she checked me before or after the epidural. Actually, I think it might've been after. Yeah. So what happened was I got the epidural and <laughs> the guy was like an angel. Literally. I felt like I was looking at him like he just came straight down from heaven <laughs> <laughs> because he was so sweet to me and he was just like old yeah. and I just trusted him. Yeah. Like it was like you see so many people now in the hospital who look like they're literally 15 years yeah. old because everyone's so new and yeah. young. And he just, like, had this calming presence. This was the anesthesiologist. Calming, so sweet. Like, I was actually shocked at how little I felt. I don't know if you felt your epidural very much. No, it was just, like, a little little sting. Like, I think I was very, like, I was psyched out about it. I was like, oh, this is going to be so, like, painful. I mean, it sounds like it would be, but it's not. Yeah. 
got that and then it was like 11 a.m and that was when my ob came in Mm -hmm. so this was monday morning and she was like i'm gonna put on this like internal contraction monitor Hmm. because once again i don't think they could tell for some reason on my contract like on the toco that my contractions were like productive i don't think anyone believed me yeah and so she was in the process of doing that and she's like oh you're like seven like you're seven centimeters yeah i was like oh okay and she was like just as shocked as i was (laughs) she was like i'm not gonna actually put this in because clearly your contractions are working right and so she was like there's no need and so she she did that and she said there was like oh that was the other thing she said she was gonna try to break my water Hmm. and i was like I thought my water already broke. And she was like, yeah, the nurse just like wasn't really sure. And I was oh my like, gosh. why is nobody believing me? Like, I know this that is, is so, so annoying. And so then when she went to check me, she's like, oh yeah, your water's broken. Like yeah. it's, I was like, okay. So anyways, after that, um, she left and she was like, you know, just continue doing what you're doing, I guess. And I'll come back in a few hours. And so that part of labor, I think was like the, it was, like, very pain-free, but I think it was hard because I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. So, like, looking back, like, it was nice to have the pain relief, but I kind of wish that you could, like, have the pain relief for, like, an hour. Yeah. And like then just get a little on. break. Yeah. yeah. Because I feel like I... And I guess you probably could if they, like, turned it off. Yeah. But, or you did something, another kind of medication or something. Yeah. But anyways... um. So that was at like 11 a.m. And I just remember just like sitting in bed and they had me like pretty upright because he was still pretty high up. Yeah. Like even though my cervix was dilating, he was still kind of up. And so they wanted him to drop down. And so I was like sitting upright. Then what what I really regret was I got to a point where I got it got really painful again and I called the nurse in and I told her and she was like, yeah, I mean, you're pretty close, but like you can get extra medicine if you want, like in your epidural. And I was like, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> and I wish I didn't do this part because this, this, once again, this anesthesiologist comes in and this guy was so young and just like adorable. Mm-hmm. And he just looked at me. And he's like, you look so good. Cause I was at nine and a half. Mm-hmm. You look so good for nine and a half. Like you're doing so good. He was just like so complimentary. And he like literally took a syringe. I saw him and just pushed it <laughs> into my epidural. Oh my gosh. And after that, I mean, I didn't feel anything like in my brain from the mm. epidural before, but I felt this. Like mm. it felt like I was medicated. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt like this almost like a, I mean, I guess like a little bit of a high sensation. Right. It was really weird. And so I was like feeling really good at that point. <laughs> but the problem was I needed to, like I was almost to the end where I was dilated. Right. And so anyways, she checked me and she was like, you have an anterior cervical lip, which is like basically like a little tiny part of your cervix, like isn't dilated. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, we want to make sure that's gone. Like before you start pushing. And so she had me on this like peanut ball and we were moving around a lot and finally got to 10. And now like knowing what I know, like you actually don't need to start pushing at 10 centimeters. Yeah. Like you still need to like labor down right. a little bit and wait till your body like wants to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but 
And because partly because you're going to tire out. Yeah. Because you're trying to push the baby like down when they're right. still up. Yeah. And so anyway, she had me start like doing practice pushes and she was like, okay, like, I was like, can you like tell me what to do? Like, I'm a first time mom, first of all, and I can't feel anything. So at this point I was like, why did I do this to myself? Like, because you have to be able to feel something. Yeah. So you're just like, what is going on? Yeah. So anyways, and another nurse came in and she was much better. And she like, was like push, putting her fingers down there. So I, she was pushing on me so that I could feel where to push. Yeah. Because you're so numb that you're like, I don't even know mm-hmm. where I'm pushing. And that helped a lot. Yeah. And then I started to kind of get the hang of it. Um, and then it had been like an hour and a half or two hours. And they were really concerned about my heart rate because mm-hmm. it was like 150 or something. And it was hot. And so they were like, you might be spiking a fever. But they like put a washcloth on my head. And I also was kind of like, well, I'm also like really working hard. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if you're working out, like your heart rate's right. going to. So I was kind of confused why they were so concerned about my heart rate because I was like, doesn't every woman have a fast heart rate when they're pushing a baby out? But anyways, I was already bleeding and they mm-hmm. were kind of like freaking me out a little bit because they were like, they told me to stop pushing and they kept trying to page the OB. That was the only time of my whole birth that I was kind of scared because it was just like, why am I bleeding? And then why can't they get the OB to get here? Mm-hmm. And she was like, I don't know if so funny looking back like don't say this to a mom in labor but she was like I don't know if this is your heart rate or the baby's Mm -hmm. that we can pick up on the monitor and I'm like well can you I remember saying to her well can you figure it out like and finally my OB got there and at this point my epidural had worn off a lot and so finally I could feel Mm -hmm. I remember like literally when she walked in the room I could feel him finally like down there and I was like oh okay And as soon as she walked in, I pushed through one contraction and the whole room (laughs) was like, there was like three nurses and Maverick and my OB and they're like, you can have him right now. Like he's right there. And I was like, so I pushed really hard because they were all hyping me up so much. They're like, oh my God, he's right there. And Maverick was like, his head's right there. And I was like, okay, I'm doing this. Yeah. And then he came out and, um, yeah, that, that, exact moment I relive all the time like Mm -hmm. I can still remember like him like coming out in his little like slimy blue (laughs) body and the first thought I had was like he's so little Mm -hmm. like because I was just like expecting this like massive baby the whole time and like I was like oh my god he's so little and um he like literally screamed as he was coming out yeah and that was just like such a blessing to me because I was freaking out a little bit mm-hmm. about him, his well-being at the end just because of how they were acting. Right. Just like, oh, we don't know. This is his heart rate. Because our heart <laughs> rates were the same. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> but I was just so grateful that he screamed the second he came out. Mm-hmm. And after that, like, you know, he's on my chest. And I remember thinking, like, he has my chin. Like, yeah. his little chin was just so cute. And yeah. you're just like you're just in bliss land kind yeah. of in that moment. Like your hormones really do just like take over. And I was just like in disbelief. Yeah. Like, I couldn't believe that that had just happened. Yeah. And, um, the only thing that my OB really did, which was gross, was she like kind of pulled on my placenta Oh yeah, through the, with the umbilical cord. And I remember in the moment, like being like, that's probably not 
right you know (laughs) like it didn't feel natural yeah it's not and it felt like that's probably a bad idea but I was also just like so like you're just so hyped up on on hormones and emotions that it just was like okay that was weird and then it was out and I don't know like if I was maybe bleeding a lot and it was making her nervous like who knows why she did that but even if you were though like that's once again like when you talk about evidence-based care I know if you're bleeding too much, the last thing that you should be doing is inducing hemorrhage, which is essentially what you're doing if you're pulling on a cord and detaching the placenta from the uterine wall manually. Um, That's just... Sounds like a timeline issue on her end. And it might have been, because she was clearly in a rush. Like, she was rushing me to push him out. Right. she, you know... And so maybe it was, and whatever. That was the only thing that I was like, ew, Mm -hmm. gross. And then um, I did have a second degree tear, so she was like stitching me up, but that was not a big deal at all because I yeah. was still pretty numb and I could care less what was going on at that right. point because I was so focused on Brave. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just like very, I mean, that was so start to finish. He was born at 345. Um, so yeah, that is hours. really quick. Yeah. yeah. So for like an induced labor for a first time mom like it it went really well yeah and you never had to have Pitocin or anything nope I never needed Pitocin they did turn it on after Mm -hmm. for bleeding purposes yeah which Um, is they actually will do that most of the time in the hospital whether you're bleeding too much or not Mm -hmm. but yeah it was just like a low dose yeah like one or something they just like turned it on and um and they were really good at that hospital about like honoring golden hour like they didn't even come near him yeah um for the first hour that he was yeah. born. Um, they, you know, cleaned up the room and they cleaned me up and they got me comfortable. And the nurse made me this like amazing, like cranberry Sprite cocktail. And she was <laughs> like, this is like a mom cocktail. And I remember like, it tasted so good. I was literally like, this is the best thing I've ever tasted. Yeah. Cause you're so thirsty yeah. and like hungry. And she was super sweet. And she just was like, yeah she just let me be with him Mm -hmm. and nobody even like did anything really but I was like hey do you want a nurse like right it was like instinctual I was like put my boob in his mouth Mm -hmm. and he started nursing and latched on right away and he was like totally perfect Mm -hmm. like there was just nothing yeah it was so surreal Mm -hmm. Um, yeah that's it's so funny because I feel like you know as I'm like processing this with you I'm like it's honestly really cool that you have that you look back on that and you're like this was a positive experience because it seems like the providers that you ran into along the way were not conducive to a positive experience like even starting in your pregnancy and like being very made to feel scared about a lot of things and you know kind of what you what you call like an alarmist Uh having that as a doctor in your pregnancy like that is worrisome and Uh then the nurse is being dismissive of your progress in the hospital and like the OB you know like trying to kind of rushing you Mm -hmm. or doing things that are not evidence-based um it's just that is I'm just curious with all those providers in mind is it a positive experience despite them or is it like a positive experience including them or like how do you kind of like view their role yeah and it's kind of funny because I feel like in hindsight I've been able to process through that yeah but I feel like in the moment and the days after I wasn't like dwelling on like a lot of that it was just kind of like I don't know and I should say too like my day shift nurse she actually was really great like leading up to that Mm -hmm. I remember like 
when I was stuck at nine and a half, I forgot to say this, but it was a really special moment. But like I told Maverick, I was like, I was like, can you put on like worship music so mm-hmm. that he knows it's okay to come out? Yeah. Cause I was like, I just want him to feel like, mm-hmm. you know, this is like scary for a baby too. Yeah. You know, like, you know, they go through a lot. Yeah. In there. I was like picturing him just like waiting, like yeah. he didn't want to come out yeah. yet. And I'm like, not sure if that's what was happening, but I just remember like, I told Mab, I was like, just put on worship music so he knows it's safe and he knows it's okay to come out. And so I had this worship music playing and the nurse walked in and she was like, oh my gosh, I love this. Mm-hmm. Like she was a believer. And yeah. It's like, I love this music. And so like, she was really great. Um, but I think because of my job in healthcare, I have like, I don't know if this is going to sound bad, but I just have like a very realistic view of healthcare providers. Mm-hmm. And I think because I've seen so much in healthcare, maybe it's that my expectations weren't that high. Yeah. I don't know. Like, right. I don't know. Cause like when we, when we look back and like talk about it, I'm like, yeah, like that was not, that felt weird or, yeah. you know, but like maybe in the moment I was just kind of like, I don't, I really don't know. Yeah. I do know that I, didn't go to my six-week appointment. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to see her again. Yeah. You know? So maybe there was a little bit of an element of, like, you didn't ever... Well, she. I've, I left this out, too, but when she walked in the room and was, like, getting all garbed up, she's like, I can't believe we're about to have this baby through the vagina. Oh, yeah. You said that. And yeah. I still remember that. Right. And I'm like, it's crazy the stuff you remember yeah. that they say. And, yeah. like, to them, it's just, like, no big Funny. deal. Yeah. And I do think that she kind of almost treated me like because I was a nurse, there was almost this like, oh, this is funny. We can joke about this kind of, you know, that type Mm -hmm. of relationship. But in that moment when she said that, I was like, I almost, it almost like fueled me even more. I was like, yeah, Yeah. I'm about to do this because you never thought I could. Yeah. Which is just like, it's so contradictory of like what providers should, their role should be in birth. We shouldn't have to feel like out to prove them wrong. It should be, you're on my team. You're the number one person. You had a positive experience with these kind of providers. It just makes me wonder what you could do or what you're capable of with providers that are actually hyping you up or actually like telling you, you know, or if you had a doula in your ear when you're hitting transition and you're like, Mm -hmm. she's like, you can do this. Mm -hmm. Like you're so much closer. You're going to be able to feel when you're pushing, whatever it Mm -hmm. is. It just makes me wonder how much even more so joy could be brought into that situation. Just not feeling like on your own little island, you know? Yeah. And like, that's what I mean. Like I've, you know, Brave's two and a half. So I've had two and a half years now to really process you know, things, things did go well. And I say all the time when we talk about it, I'm like, I'm fully aware that this could have been a very different outcome. Right. And I think it's like, it's, I mean, it's just weird how birth works because it almost just felt like it was just like luck of the draw. Hmm. It was just like, I went in and I wasn't ready and brave Mm -hmm. wasn't ready, but like for whatever reason, my body, Mm -hmm. and I did learn like, cause not many um, OBs use cytotech orally. Right. And I did learn later on that only like 5% of women, it puts them into labor. Right. And so for whatever reason, my body just Mm -hmm. like clicked into gear. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, it worked, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I've, I've done a lot of processing and I love listening to birth stories and Mm -hmm. I love learning about it. And I do think that like, um, like going forward, there will be like different decisions Mm -hmm. made. That's actually what somebody asked in a question. Um, they said, why do you feel like you had a good experience 
being induced. I don't feel like this is a very common occurrence. Is there decisions you would make differently next time if you had to be induced again? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I do think it's a really rare experience to have a, to have it be positive. Yeah. Um, I think like, because I got, essentially I got the birth that I was expecting. Yeah. Like it wasn't the way that I was expecting and things kind of were a little bit iffy, but it's like, ultimately I got the birth I was expecting. Like I birthed him vaginally and he was healthy. Yeah. And I think I was really worried about him. Yeah. Because my job. Right. Like there wasn't a lot of thought about my birth. It was like, is he going to be okay because he's early and like, what's going to happen to him through this process? Mm -hmm. And like, I think I was just so worried about brave. And so the fact that he came out and was like screaming and like, he didn't have to go to the NICU that overarchingly like kind Mm -hmm. of covered the experience. But it sounds like your postpartum was like immediate postpartum in the hospital was like a really sweet time. And that too. Like like, to have an undisturbed golden hour without even like outright requesting that is like so rare. I feel like they did like, it did feel very like sacred. Yeah. They were like, we're not going to bug you. And um, and yeah, like that, that whole part of it was so like special mm-hmm. that I do think that that covered a lot of like the yeah. things that I was just like not happy about. Right. But like moving forward, like my goal is to not be induced. Yeah. Um, I think that like going back to the blood pressure thing, like long story short to close the loop, they took my placenta for like pathology and a couple weeks later got the results that there was like absolutely no evidence of hypertension right and so that kind of was like it made me be like whoa like was that necessary yeah and I think that's like a surreal surreal thing that I think about a lot of like it could have gone differently Mm -hmm. and how awful would that have been if it wasn't necessary yeah like similar to your induction Mm -hmm. I just think like then you have this whole element that's added in of like the mental mm-hmm. guilt. Yeah. And I don't think providers even realize that. It's no. like you were just doing this. It's so routine. We have this one high blood pressure, boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, because mine went well, I didn't deal with any of that. But if it would have gone differently or something would have happened to Brave mm-hmm. or like he did have to go to the NICU, which would have been my ultimate trauma story because mm-hmm. I do not want a NICU baby mm-hmm. being a NICU nurse. Yeah. I think like all of those things would have been like, dang, like yeah. that really sucks. Mm-hmm. And so I think my goal is to not be induced again. And to, I think what I'm going to do is just refuse blood pressure checks, like mm-hmm. in my appointments. Yeah. I have a home cuff and I know my baseline blood pressure really well. Cause I take mm-hmm. it a lot and I would just like take it right before my appointment mm-hmm. and like take a picture and show them and just be like, this is where Mm -hmm. I feel comfortable this is like where I'm fully at rest Mm -hmm. because your blood pressure like it fluctuates so much like yeah even if you were like really tired walking up the stairs to your OB office I know that's a workout that's a lot of times what it is too it's like you park your car it's like hot you're carrying your toddler or whatever and you're walking in and Uh then you are like all this stuff and then they sit down and take your blood pressure like the (laughs) second you get in there I'm straight up out of breath like there's no way this is accurate but yeah I think like just like knowing that I and just trusting myself more. I just mm-hmm. don't think that I did because I was 
new to yeah. birth. I was new to being a mom. Mm-hmm. And I do think there is an element of being a healthcare worker that I almost felt like I had to be like in cahoots with them. Totally. Like it was like, oh yeah, like I, I have to just kind of be cool with their plan because I'm in healthcare. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like this weird expectation that they have of nurses. I mm-hmm. think just, oh, you're just going to go along yeah. with the status quo. And so... So I'll definitely do that differently. And like, if it were to come down to an induction again, um, if like I really truly needed it, mm-hmm. I, I guess I would just ask for the same process, like yeah. the oral cytotech and, and hope for the best. But I really yeah. don't think that I'm going to need that because mm-hmm. I just don't think that that hypertension was real. Mm-hmm. In hindsight. Do you think that you would like, ch- like, do you think that you would seek out a different style of provider or yeah. do you think that you would go for sure yeah I know I'm not going back to her yeah <laughs> I like went back to her for something like a couple months ago to get something checked out and like my blood pressure was high in the mm-hmm. office and it was just interesting because it was like I knew I had this x y and z blood pressure from the day before because like mm-hmm. I take it often and it was like 20 or 30 points higher in her yeah. office and I was like this is like kind of confirmation like yeah I don't feel safe here and she was fine but it was just the same type of conversation very cut and dry boom boom mm-hmm. boom I mean she barely asked about brave you know it just didn't feel like like you literally delivered my child and like you <laughs> they don't, don't even, care yeah like <laughs> no. I just didn't even feel like I was even I even mattered to her yeah you know and I just don't want that experience again mm-hmm. so like I want to definitely use like a midwife. Yeah. I know that for sure. Like a midwife group. And I mean, being a nurse, like I'm just so biased towards midwives. I think Mm -hmm. they're so great because they have nursing experience Mm -hmm. and they were nurses. And I just think that like having that bedside like manner, they just like are so much better. And Mm -hmm. I want to feel like listened to and I want to feel like an active participant in my care. I don't Mm want to feel like these things are just happening to me. Totally, yeah. And because I've done so much, like, learning over the last two and a half years, like, I feel like I know a lot more now. Yeah. And I know what to do. And Well, that's the thing is I feel like with first-time births, a lot of times, like, you just straight up don't know any better. Every time you have a baby, I feel like a different version of you is kind of, like, birthed into existence. And so I feel like a lot of times what I hear with first births is you just learn a lot that you just never would have thought of going into it that you would need to know about. Totally. And I do think that like that happened to me where it was like a lot of reflection later and just being like, and I know now, like I didn't eat well at all. Yeah. (laughs) I, I mean, I was so sick and I was really just even like, I mean, I didn't eat horrible, but I wasn't eating super well Mm -hmm. and I never worked out Yeah, like not a single day of activity. And so I think that just like those two things alone, like Mm -hmm. I'm going to value a lot more in my next pregnancy, obviously as best as I can, because like being sick and stuff, but just that and, and just treating myself better. And then also just like taking my blood pressure in Mm -hmm. peace before I go to my appointments and just being like, like similar to what you were saying about like being weighed. It's Mm -hmm. just like the same thing. It's like, I can do this in my, the privacy of my own home and then show it to you Mm -hmm. and realize that like, I just have this like issue where Mm -hmm. when I'm in a medical setting, like my blood pressure is naturally higher Mm -hmm. and obviously also paying attention to symptoms and like if I'm feeling Mm -hmm. like things are off, but I just, I want to try to avoid it mm-hmm. as much as possible because even though it was positive it had massive impl- implications for my postpartum and yeah. also 
Brave's first couple months of life. Totally. And so I think that's the part of like, yeah, the birth was like a positive experience Mm -hmm. overarchingly, but like my postpartum was really bad and hard. And I really do think a lot of that had to do with the birth Yeah, and just him being, neither of us were ready. Yeah. I feel like that mental, the mental preparation of birth is like huge. And I think that's something I've heard a lot from like reading birth stories, hearing them, and then just like studying, you know, like the psychological aspect of birth. It's like so much about your mentality. And if you don't have, like, if that gets pulled on you one day randomly where you're like, okay, today, like you're get, you're having your baby next week when yeah. you think that you still have like a month, mm-hmm. I feel like that is like so hard to wrap your mind around. Mm-hmm. And then to not even have like the foresight to be able to process what that means for everything, you know? Right. Um, I feel like that's huge. Yeah. And I do think that the, the mindset behind it is what prevented, I don't regret getting an epidural necessarily. I think it made my last part of my birth really hard. Yeah. Like I will fully admit like pushing for three hours, like that was hard. (laughs) Right. And like my body was close to giving up Mm -hmm. because I was so tired and you're not supposed to, it shouldn't be taking that long. No. Yeah. <laughs> but like, because I felt I couldn't feel it, like, of course. And so I don't regret the epidural, but I do think that that maybe potentially for my next pregnancy, like I wouldn't want that because yeah. I would know like, okay, this would mm-hmm. be a lot quicker, you know, if I didn't, mm-hmm. if I could feel what was going on. And a lot of times you can like av- even avoid tearing, which I know wasn't like a huge yeah. part of your story anyways. Yeah. Like you didn't really seem to be too faced by that, but I feel like when you're there and aware, you yeah. can be like, okay, if I push oh, yeah. too hard right now, like I'm uh-huh. going to tear or if like, yeah. you know, like I need to just like take a breath, take my time. Yeah. And I just feel like you're so much more in tune with your body. And totally. yeah, your pushing probably would have gone, got cut in half, yeah. if not even like less than that. Well, like you know? most of the time when I talk to people, they're like, oh yeah, I pushed for 30 minutes. And yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. But I do think like the tearing thing, like it wasn't a big deal. It made my recovery like less than ideal. Right. Like, it was painful for a long time. And I still... <laughs> Like, even to this day, there's, like, I, like, do, like, wipe a certain way. I, like, feel it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's still, like, a weird sensation down yeah. there. But I remember the nurse told me, she goes, you went from having a first degree tear to a second in that last push. Like, mm-hmm. she's like, I literally saw it happen. Yeah. You're like, well, thanks. But, she, <laughs> but everyone was just, like, freaking out and hyping me up. Yeah. And it just was, like, not a very controlled environment. And so I think, like, yeah. like you said, like, being able to feel that and then, like, being able to prevent that, like and not tear would be amazing mm-hmm. because then your recovery is yeah. so easy. Well, and like the thing with an epidural, it's like you have to be coached when to push. Like yeah. even if you don't know when you're contracting or like, okay, now push, mm-hmm. now push. Whereas like if you don't, you're literally just listening to your body and your body is like doing, doing that work it. for you. And yeah. it's like, how much more productive is that? Cause like you can, you're not resting, but you're also not like exerting everything trying yeah. to get your baby out. And so I just feel like that could be, mm-hmm. yeah, a really cool, yeah. um, experience and I think it's so mental like that's what I always tell people is I'm like birth is so mental and nobody prepared me for that like yeah I didn't prepare myself for it and nobody told me that it was like a mental game Mm -hmm. and so really truly when I hit transition I just like panicked yeah which is super common and I just didn't Mm -hmm. have the tools and like and I was just me and Maverick like I didn't have a doula Mm -hmm. I didn't have anyone else there to be like this is normal. And Maverick, like when he reflects on our, on his birth, he's like, it was so hard for me to see you that in that much pain. I've never seen you like that mm-hmm. before. And so it's like, he didn't know, like yeah. he wanted me out of pain. So yeah. of course he's going to be like pushing for that yeah. too. And so I think just like having 
either like a doula or talking to Maverick ahead of time and being like some things yeah. that you can tell me yeah. in that moment then maybe it would like I would be able well the, to. the thing with like a doula is like they've witnessed so many births they're so educated yeah. surrounding births so they can look at you and be like yeah your contractions are a minute apart mm-hmm. but this is normal and your body is trying to like shift your baby into a different position yeah. or your body is trying to compensate for whatever and even like they would be the ones where like your heart rate is spiking while you're pushing and they'd be like yeah you're mm-hmm. working really hard like having those little like reassurances along mm-hmm. the way I feel like could have been so helpful mm-hmm. for you and once again like stupid covid you know, you're just, you're pretty much on your own in an island, which is, you know, why I think so many people were like, okay, I'm not going to a hospital for my birth during COVID. But, um, yeah, yeah, there was a couple other questions, two of which you already answered, but someone said, what made you decide on the name Brave? (laughs) Um, that was actually Maverick. They must have hopped over to your page. Yeah. Um, that was my husband. He, I remember, um, we found out he was a boy really early because they did like the sneak peek. Yeah. And so I was only like eight weeks and, um, he came home one day and he was like, I just really feel like his name is brave. And, and like he had come up with some crazy names before. So like that one, I was like, wow, that's really different. But like it, it didn't seem like crazy to me. So I was like, okay. And I didn't like love it right away, but I just kind of felt like he like had hurt. Like he was like, I just feel like this is what God told me. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm not going to just be like, like, no, you know? Yeah. Um, so really it was all Maverick. And then I named him, his middle name's Wilder. So that was me. Mm-hmm. That was my contribution. That was my contribution. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Awesome. Is there anything that you would want to just like tag on that you would want people to know or that you would want to like encourage in somebody that might be like facing a similar situation as you were um anything that you just like want people to take from this that they will remember yeah Yeah, I feel like I think it is just like even if you're a first-time mom like I kind of wish that I would have done more of my own research Mm -hmm. and really just like trusted in the process even if you've never done it before Mm -hmm. because I think it's easy to be like oh second time third time like oh I've done this before like I feel like I know my body better but just like trusting that even on your first time you know and being able to like if you're not if you don't want something like you guys talk about all the time on your podcast Mm -hmm. but like if you don't want something and like you really don't feel peace about it like that's your right to Mm -hmm. say no to that Mm -hmm. and I think coming from healthcare, like I'm actually really passionate about people being involved in their own care. Mm-hmm. I don't like the mindset of like, I'm a healthcare provider, so I know better. Yeah. And I, that, that came out even more in COVID where I just saw all of this like self-righteousness and mm-hmm. this like, we're better than the rest of the population mm-hmm. and just do what we say and don't yeah. ask questions. And I just had such a problem with that. Yeah. I'm like, that is not that's not the kind of like provider I want to be. Yeah. And so like that shouldn't be the case. Right. Um, and so just like seeing that as like you, you're an active participant in your care and you can like make those decisions Mm -hmm. and just feeling more empowered. Like really, I feel like that could have changed the outcome a little bit for me, even though it wasn't a negative outcome. It just could have been better. Right. If I would have been more empowered, like you were saying. So yeah, just like, 
take the time to listen to birth stories and I did do a little bit of that but just like watch like even on Instagram now like I follow all these like birth accounts and I like watch people give birth all the time and it's like wow that's so cool to actually like Mm -hmm. see it and it's so good for like your subconscious mind it like tucks it away and it's like our mind-body connection is so powerful and having those things like those images tucked Mm -hmm. away in your mind even going through birth it's like you can picture where you're headed which is just so powerful yeah um awesome well thank you for hopping on and sharing your story um I know that like postpartum was um a big deal for you and maybe during our postpartum series we can like touch base again yeah about that because I know that um postpartum is just like a catch-all just like everything else it's like pregnancy Mm -hmm. birth postpartum all the things they are like such everybody has such different experiences so um anyways thank you guys so much for listening i'm sorry all of our birth stories keep going over an hour but i just feel like that's what (laughs) that's what it is and i hope you guys are enjoying that um amanda misses all of you and her and lily are just having the best time snuggling at home and getting to know each other um we have another birth story coming up next week um a mama of two who had a hospital birth and then a birthing center birth um once again like i always say if you have any questions about anything you're hearing any clarification that you need from any of these mamas or any follow-up questions please just send us a dm and i will get back to you as soon as i can i hope you guys have such a good week Thank you for listening and remember that you were chosen to be the mother of your children and you are exactly where you need to be. See See you you next week. week.